Dissect the best and the worst of 90s teen horror. This is Christy Logan. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was doing. And this is my co host, Heather Parry. This is Christy Logan, and I'm Heather Parry. Yep, that's what's happening. I was going to tell you that this is the season seven wrap up episode <laughs> where we go through every book that we've discussed in season seven and we talk about how shit or great they are. <laughs> we rate them. Yay! Um, so wow, what a season! It, let me see the spines of them. Uh, we that cool. Yeah, there were some real highlights and lowlights this <laughs> season. I think it was quite a fun season, though. Will I read out which ones we've done? Yeah, just so everyone is caught up. Yeah, in order. And if you want to hear more about any of them, then you can find the full episodes. Yes. So you, we did. <laughs> you did. You have listened to Halloween Night Two by Robert Stein, Pool Party by Linda Cargill. Silent Witness by G- G- Carol Ellis. It's in a bind up, that's why I can't find it. <laughs> Nightmare Hall, Nightmare Hair, The Silent Scream by Diane Ho. Unleashed Face Taker by Philip Gross, and he certainly was. Double Date <laughs> by Sinclair Smith. The Phantom by uh, Barbara Steiner. Yeah. I, yeah. Remem- I just remember that, it's in the bind up. Oh, it is in the bind up, yeah. Uh, God, we're professional. Unleashed at Gehenna's door. Oh, that was so good. By Peter Beer. <laughs> Nightmore Hair. Peter Beer. <laughs> Nightmore Hair. Nightwalker by Diane Ho. And The Boyfriend by R.L. Stein. Wow, we've only done two robots. Book ended with shit. <laughs> we have to start and finish just so Teenage they can be screen. the Book ended with shit. <laughs> um, yeah, what a list, eh? Yeah. It's been really all over the place. It's been lots of ups and downs we're getting a lot more british as we go along because we're doing more unleashed yeah yeah we and are. they are fun yeah we've still got some classic point horrors to do yes yeah. we're still outside we're still <laughs> I'm freezing, freezing. Cold. can't actually feel my toes it's fine it's fine i'm only wearing leggings who did that i'm wearing tights under my leggings oh, that's what you should do that's smart yeah. and my big woolly socks that my mum knitted oh she knit you those socks yeah aren't they good oh my god i want some knitted socks yeah she's made me a couple of pairs now they're good boots as well yeah they're very warm i've still got numb toes though Aww. they're not that warm so what did we do first we did halloween night two uh it was very bad it was i'm gonna say was it as bad or worse than halloween night one it was worse because it was just the same again but not as good I mean, a good is a... <laughs> it was the same again, but tedious. Worse. He's, like, putting zero effort. Sometimes he's trying, you know? Like, I felt like he tried with the boyfriend. He, I really feel like he writes possibly the worst female friendships that I've ever read in my life. Like, <laughs> yeah. do any women... It should be, like, a new... I don't even know how you say it. Is it Bechdel? 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 Bechdel test? There should be a new kind of Bechdel test, which is, like, the Stein test of... <laughs> Do all the women in this book hate each other? For no reason. For no reason. Are they... Is it inexplicable why they're friends or choose to spend time together? Yeah. Because in all his books, the women do hate each other. It's like, you know, he's almost reaching something, which is that female friendships when you're, like, a teenager can be quite complex because, of course, there are, like... What I realised... So when I was a teenager, I was very much into, like, boyish things, right? Like, I 
became like a music journalist when I was quite young. Like, you know, I watched. Are they boyish things? Well, you know, sort of if you were putting them in the gender binary in the mid 90s, they would be, Mm. you know, a bit tomboyish. Like, you know, I liked a lot of like rock music and I liked Formula One. (laughs) Cry wanking. You know, and all those kind of things. And I wasn't like very girly. And because of the way that society socializes you, you are taught to like reject feminine like femininity Mm. i think so i would be very much like well you know i would never have said this but i would very much like well i'm not like other girls do you know what i mean also i think because i felt like i couldn't that's such a toxic thought and i remember that being around a lot in the 90s yeah but i know also it's like your only real if you feel like you can't compete with other girls who are like really feminine it is the other option given to you to be like Mm. well i'm not like them i'm different right so it's either you can compete in being like hot or you're the other thing which is like boyish or smart and you would talk to reject the femininity thing i've just been listening to um you're wrong about that podcast about anna nicole smith and it's that isn't it it's like you're either you're taught to either see really feminine women as like idiot bimbos who aren't like smart enough or interesting enough to do something else and you either you're in that or you're not and it's just like because the only way, it's, yeah, it's like the only way for you to be valid or desired as a woman is to like push her down and step on her. Yeah. In order to get higher. Yeah, you have to reject that femininity mm. and try and define yourself as something else, which is often more more masculine, you know, mm. like more tomboyish. Um, even though these things aren't gendered, are they? Anyone can like anything. It's ridiculous. But because of that, I think sometimes female friendships can be like complex because you are taught that you're in competition with other girls when you're really not like you know the way we socialize young girls is shit but he's not doing any of that mm. <laughs> it's just he's yeah. one of the people pushing like that on i was really experienced that as a teenager i don't really know why i remember having really good female friendships as no a teenager. i also really had really good female friendships like um my friends say you know they're, they're like all consuming female friendships aren't they like well i had them they weren't healthy <laughs> i had like female friends that we were just madly obsessed with each other i don't think they were very healthy you see i really enjoyed the ones where you like would go to someone's house the magpie's back oh my god i love the magpie the bin, the bin magpie <laughs> i would go to someone's house like you would go to stay over and you would end up staying like four nights because you were just having such a great time do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you just watch movies and like be silly and like get takeaways and especially when you're sort of like playing with being a bit older so you'll like do some nails and you'll, you know what i mean like mm. that sort of thing or like I'm gonna have to chase the bin magpie away because he's gonna rip open the bin bag. Hang on. <laughs> <Talk> <laughs> will I carry on? Will I carry on talking to our listeners? Yeah, but you know what I mean. You can. I think you do have these really all-consuming, like beautiful friendships. This is so weird. Me just talking to Kirsty's empty chair while she's <laughs> rummaging around hey, in the bin. <laughs> 2020, the year that Teenage Scream completely lost it, and I can just see Kirsty's like uh, Russian fairy hat just over the top. <laughs> Are you killing that magpie? Oh no, she's putting something suspicious in the bin. Huh, something suspicious in the bin, eh? <laughs> Did you just kill a person? <laughs> but do Don't you know what? Rip open that bag of body parts, magpie. <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? In that, like, the the pressures on girls to see themselves in this sort of when I went away, were you just like I secretly hate Kirsty. <laughs> she's awful. <laughs> she makes me do this. <laughs> yeah, I think like. You are really taught that you've got to hold your own against like the entirety of other women and that you're not good enough and that makes you feel all sorts of ways and that can come out in like how you treat other women or how you see yourself 
and I think that can be very complex in a way that perhaps men don't have but I agree I do think women are taught to compete with each other and I think that at the time we weren't really allowed to think to have like a slay in your lane thing of mm. like she's doing her thing and it's amazing and I don't want to do that thing I want to do this other thing and be amazing mm. but because I want to do something different that doesn't mean that what she's doing is not good enough or that I'm better in any way which is why you can be different which is why the movie Legally Blonde is so revolutionary because you shouldn't like don't judge essentially like you've got the rich snobs haven't you who are like I mean they're all rich but who you know they're very serious um, non like girly feminine like smart people being like oh look at her in her pink shirt and it's like no you can be whatever you want as long as you're authentic and good to other people and she is really kind to like everyone else mm-hmm. I love the movie Legally Blonde and I might watch it tonight <laughs> Elwood's so, forever. Good point. Uh, he doesn't address any of that consciously. However, when we do our point horror PhD, our point horror doctorate, then yeah, we could talk about all of this. But then boys don't have these relationships. Boys don't have complex relationships in his books. I think boys. No, I, was, I thought you meant in life. No, in no. life, boys are competitive. I think. Yeah, I think but they in are. A different way. They're not in the books, which is why no. he treats women like some. He treats girls like some other weird species. That's true. And do you know, he doesn't really write, like, male friendships. Like, I can't really think of any scenes where, like, men talk to each other. No. Which is weird. Well, unless they're playing pranks on each other. Yeah. Or covering up a murder. Actually, (laughs) there is one where it's all male characters, isn't it? The one where they hit a guy in a car, but not really. Oh... What, uh, was that... That was... was All the leaves are falling. Was that the shitness? No. No, that was different. No, that was the... Something else was shit. Shit and run. <laughs> he just asks for these puns, doesn't he? So he does. I can't really remember anything that happened. Oh, Halloween Night 2 was um, the girl hated her cousin, Haley. Oh, yeah. Because Haley had a tragic backstory and had to move in with her, and she hated her for no apparent reason. Haley had been taken away from her parents by the court, who said that they weren't oh, fit yeah. to look after her, and uh, that meant that she was gagging in on her cousin's life That's and true. taken over. And they went to the Halloween party at this girl's house who had BDSM equipment in her parents' cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, we had um, someone stuck in a coffin, which was quite fun. That was fun. Um, but then, yeah, they're stupid. It's like you just can't write a plot, and then he wraps it up in a way that's completely incredulous. At least Halloween Night 1 was fun, because didn't have that <laughs> didn't that have the plot reveal that someone they thought was a student was actually 30? <laughs> and then she had this incredibly glamorous life of, like, she had all these fur coats and this expensive jewellery and she'd been like all around the world and I remember thinking like I don't know any 30 year olds <laughs> like that with fucking fur coats and expensive jewellery are we doing it wrong? God yeah we are so wrong <laughs> not that I really want a fur coat but you know the jewellery would be alright in the travel yeah my mum just sent me a picture of her like have it because they're moving house so they're going through all their stuff and um, she had like a very 70s fur coat and I, I imagine it's fake um, but I was like, do I want that? I'll never wear it. I think I just would like the idea of being that glam, even though I'm not. <laughs> can't have a hat and a hood at the same time. It's I was like, not working. can you just not hear me at all now? No, it just isn't working. There we go. That's it's better. also really funny because she sent me a picture of her when my brother was six weeks old. And fucking hell, she looks like a woman who's got a six-week-old baby. She just looks so tired. I need to show you a picture of my mum after she just had my little brother because he was born at the end of July and it was a really hot summer and he was really overdue. He was like weeks overdue and he was massive as well on his birth certificate I can't remember his weight but it says it his weight and then in brackets very large <laughs> my um but there's I was gonna say there's all these pictures of her 
like just before she's had him so she's very very heavily pregnant and it's a really hot summer and she just looks the most pissed off that I've ever seen a person look and then there's also pictures of her in the hospital after having had him and she's holding this like enormous slug baby just looking like fuck off <laughs> fuck off stop taking pictures of me go away we're gonna look back to like this period with the same thing because um, there's like ludicrously massive babies being born why so, so big my I guess who would be my like brother and sister-in-law um, have just had a baby which was routinely referred to at the prenatal appointments as chubby oh <laughs> and now he's already he's like six weeks five weeks old and he's already bigger than his but six months old he's six foot and i was like what the <laughs> fuck? that's a really big baby he's already bigger than his six month old cousin wow <laughs> it's just hilarious anyway not for them uh, i'm sure they're having an off time that's weird. my two of my cousins have just had babies and they're big babies as well Something i just thought it was because second babies are bigger these are both first babies. Yeah, that's weird. My best friend is also a baby who was kind of like normal human size, but her friend has had the most enormous child. He's four months old and he looks like three years old. The fuck? Something that maybe it's human growth Everyone's hormone. Everyone's been in eating water. a lot of iron or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't really like that book. No, yeah, sorry, we're getting off what topic. What was next? <laughs> oh, getting off topic is the whole thing of this podcast. <laughs> oh, pool party! <laughs> Wow, this cover again. My God. Someone I point- loved pool parties. Someone, um, I've forgotten your name, so sorry, uh, pointed it out on Twitter. No, on Instagram, the other one, that this actually never came out in the UK. So no, this I is know, an American but that it was advertised, but it didn't come out. Yeah. I wonder what happened. Yeah. Did Linda Cargill do something? Oh, my God. I've just realized there's the stamp, and it says property of Sublimity School District. Sublimity? Sublimity. I'm pretty sure that's what it says. It's like... Like you're sublimating. Mm, weird. It's like an underground school. Oh my god. <gasps> that would make sense. So that's, there we go. We've uncovered a whole alternative universe where books that are advertised but aren't published are published only in the underground school. In the sublimity school district. Sublimity. 7G. <gasps> oh my god. So we loved Pool Party. It was <laughs> fucking batshit. What a hot mess. It was a wild ride, wasn't it? <laughs> so what was it about? This girl who. Sharon. Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon, whose family had moved into what's the like an old hotel. What's the hotel from The Shining called? The Overlook. Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Um, that had like an indoor slash outdoor pool. Yeah. Whatever is... the fuck. And it was so deep that they had to get scuba divers to <laughs> investigate it. Which I'm like, how big is the pool? Yeah. Like bigger than really big. A country. And then it was really bizarre. She had a pool party. And then all the cool girls came and they all had really uncool girl names. They were called like Blanche. Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Bertha and Topaz or something. But also people had made it a lot fancier. Like they'd mailed invitations before they were shut yeah. and they'd ordered all these like really fancy caterers. Yeah, and there was, was a chef who was obsessed with the salt. And he went away <laughs> to find the salt and then he disappeared. Actually, did we ever find out where he went? I've just, just realized. got stuck on Salt Mountain, I think. Yeah just went to the sea to get some salt and then all the cool girls disappeared and mm. were later discovered in shallow graves in the woods which really wasn't lingered on <laughs> for long even though that's a massive tragedy but okay and they were murdered because they had jewelry on oh yeah was it something like that because the guy who was the boyfriend of sharon wanted to find the gold that was hidden under the swimming pool yeah that's it and he wanted to kill the girls with the jewellery because that jewellery would devalue the real jewellery. <laughs> we got onto like commodity. I think I've realised why this book didn't get published. 
But it did. It did. Oh, a leaf just fell on me. It did create contain such You can make line. a wish if you catch a falling leaf. Okay. Hang on a minute. I'm going to make a wish. Okay. She just did a face, guys. A squishy face. A bit of a wish. My squishy wish face. Better have involved me. No. Why would I wish about you? You don't wish something nice for me. No. Kirsty. Catch your own leaf. <laughs> Got my own problems there, though. <laughs> Um, I've just opened the book randomly to this page. You're practicing black magic, Mistress Williams. The upstairs maid scolded her one day when she was helping her dress. You're becoming a witch. <laughs> the upstairs maid. My God. Is there a downstairs maid as well? I think there is. Wow. I, I feel like if I referred to a downstairs maid, that would mean something to do with my vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Will I tell you that I was having a shower today? Do and I want to hear this? The, the Are cats, you sure I want to hear this? The cats love to come in and like play at the edge of where the shower is um, and I was just getting dried and one of them was just absolutely just staring at my vagina it was so unsettling I was like oh, I'm turning away now I wonder what it was thinking like, could I eat is, that do I have one could of I those scratch that she's just been fixed so maybe she was like I hate you and your functional vagina well she's still got a vagina yeah I know but it doesn't you know we've stolen the gift of motherhood from her now I mean you're not using yours either so yeah, I mean, I'm using it. Well, you're not using let's the gift of motherhood. Let's, let's, move. Okay. let's move on. This book was about eight books in one. Yeah. Um, with no continuity or, like, attempt to bring them together into a whole that made sense. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Um, a hole that made sense. <laughs> Back to vaginas. So... <laughs> Coming in the water's fine. It was quite good fun. And Sharon very clearly fancied the fake English girl. Yeah. She really was very horny for her. And there was that whole weird... I mean, it was very Linda Cargill and I had a whole weird backstory that we just had to read for pages and pages. Yeah, a Linda Cargill backstory, yeah. A weird long backstory to do with the sea. Implied queerness. Implied queerness. Generally nonsensical. Overly complicated story. Which I'm starting to, say, to really like Linda Cargill. I will read anything Linda Cargill does at this point. I'm into it. Yeah. I can't tell if I'm talking really loudly because I have made a cave of my hood <laughs> in which I now live. <laughs> so I sound very loud to me. Do I sound very loud? I think you just sound normal loud. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, that was very, like, good, bad. Yeah, I loved it. Very enjoyable. And then we had... I, I Yeah, I think we gave that quite a high score, didn't we? Yes, on everything. Uh, oh, did I we have... loved the silent scream. Oh, no, sorry, oh, no, it wasn't that one. Next. Okay. It was Silent Witness. Oh, I hated the Silent Witness. Yeah. That was terrible. Yeah. So that was the one about this boy dies... And then in his belongings is a VHS tape <gasps> that shows something. Yeah. And someone starts menacing the main character to get the videotape. Yes. Would you, was it Reggie? Reggie Westman? No, that's, that's the Phantom. Oh, yeah, you're right. Lucy found a videotape at her friend's house. It's that one. Yeah. Can you tell I'm looking at the bind up? And yeah. they've, put the, they've put the blurbs in a different order to what the mm. stories appear that's in the book. confusing. It is. Uh, yeah, it was just, there wasn't really a lot of menace. It was mm. more of a mild menace. And the weird, it was like very strangely paced. Yeah. Because we just kept having to like invent reasons that she wouldn't watch the rest of the video when you just yeah, would. Yeah, surely the video isn't that long. Yeah. And at no point did she just sit down and watch the whole thing. Like she watched a little bit and was like, oh, this is boring. Yeah. No, I, I thought this was quite dull. Yeah. I don't even really have anything to say about it. <laughs> I don't feel like it was very good bad. I enjoyed all the VHS stuff. <laughs> And that was about it. It just made me wish, every time I read like a bad version of something, it just makes me wish I was watching or reading a better version of it. Yeah. Like this made, like when we read, when we read a Robot Stein that's all about toxic female friendships, except it's never addressed, I'm like, I could be reading a Megan Abbott book 
or a Gillian Flynn book mm. that's about actual toxic female relationships that's actually addressed. And you know with what? this, I was like, we could be watching The Ring right now. I, I read Gone Girl when I was living in Panama on a day where I was quite incredibly hungover. You know, like, you remember the feeling of yeah. being hungover. I just laid on the top of my building and read Gone Girl in the sun, and it was, like, joyous. That sounds great. Such a page turn in that book. I really like her. I actually haven't read Gone Girl, but I read her two other, the two before that, mm-hmm. and I thought they were great. It's, you know, it's not high literature, is it? It's, like, fun. It's like I don't know. I think they're pretty... Yeah, no, they're well, well written. They're definitely not like a trash read. Yeah, they're not aiming they're for well like written. they're not aiming for like you know, grand themes and imagery and stuff. They're just really plotty. I don't think so. I think they're well written. I think like you could look at them on a sentence level and mm. like they're good sentences. Yeah, I think she's like she reminds me of Tana French. Like it's crime books and they're plotty and you read them for the plot, but the prose is good and like the imagery is good. Mm. Whereas like some books. You read them just for plot. Yeah. Like, Poinora. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, you, you couldn't really pick out a sentence and be like, what a good sentence. Yeah, you're right. I think she's good. I did read it very quickly. Yeah. And, like, six years ago now, so... No, Maybe good. I'll read it again. I remember the fe- that feeling of being incredibly hungover, and I was in um, Venice. Maybe the most hungover I've ever been in my entire life. Like, I could barely... I couldn't move my head. Like, I was upright, but I was like, I can't... I had to just keep my head in the same place. And we went to this little tiny cafe that was under the youth hostel where we were staying. And I just drank espressos. And my friend taught me how to play Magic the Gathering. Just like a <laughs> I know card game, right? Is. Which was about all my brain could handle was like this very basic card game and like espresso. Nice. I just remember that feeling really well. But it was like, if I kept my head still, it was like, you know those music videos where like the camera is aligned with the character's head yes. and you just move like, with them my Panama hangovers were the worst because um, the heat means like mm. you're, it's all, everything is just more intense because um, it's like basically on the equator um, the national drink there is rum like uh, Ron Abuelo so like it's called Grandad's Rum and it's made from like rum is just made of pure sugar and then you drink it with either in mojitos so which delicious. is more pure sugar or with coke, which is more pure sugar. So you had the sugar. The sugar makes the hangover so much worse if you've been drinking really sugary drinks. So I remember like waking up sometimes and it was already so hot. I would just like crawl to my sofa and just like lay there like with my face in a fan, being like, maybe I'll just try and go to sleep until this is better. Yeah. Anyway, I don't miss hangovers. Don't drink, guys. So yeah, we don't really have much to say about that book. But the next one I liked. Ho ho ho! So this was the one we should have read. <laughs> Diane, ho ho ho! <laughs> This was the first Nightmare Hair. We should have read this one first, but we didn't because yeah. we're amateurs. Yeah. 93, Diane Ho. Um, really quite a pristine book. Like, for yeah. one so old. So it's um, been in someone's attic. Yeah, it's a good cover, apart from, you know, all the stuff on it. Uh, so. So. Yeah, it was. Um, we should have read it. We didn't. The book cover is good, but all the like writing on it is shit. Yeah. Um, I don't know, did we like this? I think it was yeah, I right. loved it. I thought it was great. We said it was just like a classic, good, spooky story. So here's what it was about. It was about this girl who moves into Nightmall Hair. Jess. Which is Jess. She moves into Nightmall Hair, which is this kind of gothic-y, off-campus accommodation. Nightmare Inn. No, yeah. And it sounds hair. amazing. It had a library <gasps> and a lounge and a kitchen and a fucking lady that cooks all your food for you. <laughs> How the other half 
live ludicrous. And it was amazing. And the problem was a girl had killed herself in her room, Giselle. And it had that really good yeah. uh, scene describing that and how horrifying it was. It was horrifying. Yeah. So Giselle had killed herself, or had she, in the room. And so there was all this weird stuff happening. And you didn't really know, was it a ghost or was it a person? Mm. And then it turned out that it was, uh, what was he called? Like, trucker or... <laughs> uh, trucker? Was he called trucker? He was called trucker, He was called yeah. trucker. This guy called trucker. And was, Ian. <laughs> yeah, he was the DIY guy. He was the handy Andy of the crew. Oh yeah, spelled K R U, and he it was him. He yeah. was going out with Giselle, and it's all about an abusive relationship. And then I think the title, the Silent Scream, is really smart because yeah. it can refer to domestic abuse. And they had a Milo in there as well. Yeah, and there was worms, worms on the pillow. Oh, worms. <gasps> oh, she had a drawer full of worms. Yes, that came up from the basement somehow. Um, it was good. And I, I'm remembering now, and it, it was good. She did do the Diane Ho thing of like introducing far too many characters far too quickly, but you could still keep them all separate. There was like the swimmer one hmm. who made boys feel inadequate. There was the overachiever one. There was the wanky poet one. Uh, queer coded girl. Yeah. Whatever her name was. That was the swimmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was good. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was good. It was, it was good. really good fun. I really liked the setting. I wish all the Nightmare Hair books were actually set at Nightmare Hair, but they're not. She really goes off the cliff, as we'll find with the other one. I know. I just think she should have stuck with the original setup. Formula, yeah. because yeah, it worked really well. No, I really like that one a lot. Like, Weirdly, she could, fun. she could learn a little bit from Robot Stein in terms of creating a series, mm. in which, like, just stay there. He does just exactly the same thing. That's but, like, true. stay in the same bit. All the Fair Street books do happen on Fair Street. Yeah. Which is about all you can see. <laughs> Where is the the other nightmare nightmare hair we did later on? It was completely unrelated it to it. To do with it, apart from like they went there to try to get in and it was locked. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so that so was we like that one. That was good. Uh, and we also had a lot of feelings about Face Taker. Wow, we really an, did <laughs> another Unleashed. Um, and yeah, this was about a, a photo booth that either told you something about yourself or predicted your future or like took away your soul or it turns out probably all three it was unclear yeah or put you into like another dimension Mm, Um, yeah so we had that really horrible guy uh denzel oh yeah not denzel doyle not (laughs) maybe it was denzel doyle who's been like changed by in the point horrorverse his treatment um we had mr pincus (laughs) um oh yeah (laughs) But yeah, oh, and then we had, like, basically the fact that they were, like, bullying the guy who they called VI for Village Idiot. Yeah, that was Who was just, like, a down-and-out guy who had been traumatised by the early death of his brother. It was basically about some horrible teenagers who tormented homeless people for fun. Yeah. And only one of them died at the end, which is a shame. And then... Only one of the horrible teenagers died. Yeah, and there was a lot about the girl who had some sort of you know, paranormal skill that amounted to just drawing on people's photos. <laughs> but, but, but in such a good way, it yeah. was paranormal. It was <laughs> <laughs> it, she was so good that it made it a magical power. She's just hot, Heather. <laughs> um, and then the end, so they go through all this thing, they slip into like a weird dimension. Um, we all, I also had that other reading that it was about drugs. Oh, yeah. That they were going into the, like, the photo booth. To be honest, most of the time in this season, when you've had an alternate reading, it's more fun than the, reading the book. Thanks, pal. 
this I guess that's why people listen to this and don't read them. We're the fucking schmucks that have to read the actual books. It's one of my skills, and in fact, I'm so good at it that it's a paranormal skill. I'm so good. I'm actually changing reality. Do you know who else is good at this? My brother, because we've got a Logan Family Film Club mm-hmm. where we watch films and then we discuss them. And every time I hate a film, because he's got from like a film student background, he's always got an interpretation that I'm like, that's not what the filmmaker meant, but that's good. Yeah. And I wish that that was the case and I wish I hadn't watched the film and you had just told me about it. <laughs> Get your brother on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the end of it, remember, had nothing to do with everything else that went before it and it was just him trying to steal what was, you know, very awfully written as like a mail-order Asian bride away yeah. from the guy who'd married her even though she didn't want to go but it was just Denzel trying to get like because he had seen her and wanted her and then that was the end of it because of misogyny and because of the way that Asian women are coded as like subservient like people who need to be rescued but also in rescued being entrapped further into another awful relationship weird Um, and then there was that horrible screeching death yeah that actually that death scene was quite good the ending was good wasn't it let me read it it's a shame because I feel like this guy Philip Gross I don't think he's a bad writer. I think like there were lots of scenes that were good. They just didn't tie together. Yeah. Yeah. And like I really like this at the end. <clears throat> think of blender blades all of a sudden and yet going on forever. Or try not to think of it. Try. Try not to think of it when you wake up in the small hours gasping for breath. Try not to think of it in a, every little crack between your thoughts at school, at home, at work, at rest, in dreams. Try not to think of it now for the rest of your life like me. Yeah. I think that's a really good end of a book. That is good. And, like, it really does sort of impart some of the horror of, like, going through a traumatic thing because he doesn't die, but the, uh, Denzel and VI die next to him mm. by being hit by a fucking train. I'm going to say, as a generality, right, the point horror books by the American writers, they usually have some kind of an epilogue, or even mm. if it's Robot Stein, it ends on a fucking quip. Like an epilogue where they're like, and then they were over the trauma and everything was okay and the police came and blah, blah, blah. And the UK ones don't really do that. They're just like... And it was the end, and everybody died, and we were traumatized forever. <laughs> and then, remember the 13 More Tales of Horror was like that? The yeah. UK, that's more the UK one. I'm like, so any of them ended with the protagonist dying? Well, are we just an inherently sinister people? Yeah, so I... <laughs> yeah, we are. I can't remember. I think I was taught this in high school, maybe, that generally it's, cons- it's, it's accepted that American audiences do not like leaving film sad. So right. this is why you get Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet with the weird sort of epilogue about how they're like together in heaven. And it's like... I don't remember that. Yeah, so at the end of the film, there's like video, there's like shots of them being all happy. No. Yeah. I, not the, when I saw it. Well, absolutely. No. <laughs> no, it, it, I'm, I swear to you, the last time I watched it, are we in alternate dimensions right now? <laughs> It ends, they're dead, and then it like pans out, and then it's the newsreader woman who does Never Was There a Tale of More Woe Than This of Julia and Her Romeo, and like the TV screen gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure that's how it ends. I'm, it might be, but it might be that before or after that, there's like a montage of them being like together. I'm pretty sure. Let's go and Is watch the end of it. a montage of them just like throughout the film? Yeah, with the implication being to an audience that they are now together happy. I just thought it was a recap of what had happened. Which is, but why would you have that? That's weird. I don't know. Just to remind you. <laughs> just in case you fell asleep. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's because, like, you know, despite the fact that it was written, it is literally the archetypal tragedy, isn't it? Like, it's supposed to be that there's no happy ending. Yeah. They've 
you know, something is, you know, the Shakespearean thing is they've got flaws and that leads to their ultimate downfall. That's what a Shakespearean flaw is. Um, and theirs is that they were like, what, two stupid teenagers? No, that yeah. they loved each other so much they could not see reality. Or that they were paying for the sins of their parents. But yeah, it's generally considered that American audiences do not like leaving a cinema unhappy, which is why that's like shoved in at the end. And I think maybe that's a similar thing. So I think we, as a populace, are like generally like oh well we like a sad ending we, we like things just being demonstrably shit in real life oh maybe <laughs> we like sitting with horror which is why British horror like uh, like think of the Wicker Man think of the way the Wicker Man ends or think about uh, The Descent do you know that the, the American oh mate it's so good you haven't seen The Descent I know I really feel like you would like it okay so the American version has got a different ending oh. so I'm about to spoil a horror film from 2005 so if you don't want that spoiled well shall I tell you what happens if you haven't seen it no go on I, I, okay. it doesn't really bother me to know what's Do you know it happen. doesn't bother me to know the ending either because I prefer the journey I yeah. feel like any film or book that just relies on like a shock ending is probably not very good like The Sixth Sense which someone did well for me or mm. Old Boy when someone mm. I sat down with someone to I, watch it I for haven't the first even time. seen that and I know the ending yeah she, I, she literally we started the film and she said I can't believe ending and I was like why would you do, no, I'm Why not would you do that? Did she know you hadn't seen it? <laughs> yeah. What an idiot. Yep. Anyway. But if it just relies on that, then it's, it's not, not very good. good. Like a, a good film like Memento or The Usual Suspects, you can re-watch it mm. and it's better for knowing the end. Like if you watch it a second time, you're like, how did they put that together? Or like Fingersmith, which I've read like three times and I know the ending, but I love rereading it because I'm like, how did she pull that off? Mm. And it's like trying to see how it works, but The Descent, so it's really good and really scary. If you're claustrophobic like me, it's fucking the scariest film of all time. It's about this group of women. It's also an all-female cast. There's one man who dies in about the first two minutes. Um, and they go caving, which is my worst nightmare. Maybe cave diving is my worst nightmare. And they kind of get stuck in this cave system and there's monsters there. And they die one by one. And then at the very end, it's this very doomy but brilliant ending where... Um, so the main character's daughter has died and that's why they go on this caving expedition. And she has this vision of like a birthday cake that she's giving this birthday cake to her daughter and she's still alive and you're like what and then it pans out and you realize that she's got the last light and it like pans out and shows that she's just at the bottom of this chasm oh wow and she's just trapped there forever but the american one uh has her escape and get away no way yeah see i think that is a main difference i think that for whatever reason either this is true it's a stupid ending to have that it is stupid yeah, which is why like things that are written for British audiences don't often work mm. in America um, because they're like too bleak. Like, look at something like um, Red Dwarf, right? That is a pretty, pretty bleak, like setup. Yeah, everyone's dead. Literally, going to fix that. All of the rest of humanity are dead. There's one guy, a mutant cat, a robot and they a find, and a hologram who they hate. That doesn't really transfer over to American audiences. Like they don't, even something like Seinfeld. It's not really. It's like. The setup is they li- they're living fine lives. Do you know what I mean? Nothing bad is happening to them. It's just like these minor setbacks mm. that are made like really fun of. Um, we like bleak things that <laughs> then Americans don't. I don't see it as bleak. I see it as logical. Like you're in a fucking cave, getting hunted by cave monsters. Like mm. you're probably not going to get away. Yeah. Like thinking that you are going to get away is just not. Doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. You know what else anyway. didn't make any sense? <laughs> Wait, isn't that how Brazil got fucked up? Is it? Because they were determined to give it a happy ending, but you couldn't. 
So I, it just is nonsensical. I can't remember Brazil because I watched it when I was like 17 and I can't watch it. I tried to watch it like this year and I can't. I, like, I actually can't physically stand to look at it. It's like the way he shoots it, I find oh. like I have a physical reaction to it. It's I think like, there's a teeth stressful. bit in it that I find appalling. It's just that all the shots, there's like too much going on oh. and there's something to do with how he frames um, like where you're supposed to be looking that like brings within me this real deep sense of like dread within myself. Ooh, I guess I won't be revisiting that one then. <laughs> no, so, I think it's just me. Uh, speaking of films, next we had Double Date. Travis and Christy are wild. They love playing practical jokes. Ah, uh, well, there we oh, go. That's no. all we need to say about that. So this book was so bad. <laughs> I think it started out quite well. It started out like a kind of cobbled together David Lynch film mm. or like the film California with a K, which I love, even though it's flawed but you know you can love stuff that's flawed but then Sinclair Smith just gave up halfway through and wrote a different book instead it's like two stories put together and then took us to an abandoned ski lodge and then just didn't do anything with it didn't use the abandoned ski lodge in any way yeah in fact I found this book so boring that remember I did fantasy casting (laughs) and then we had to imagine the characters as Nicolas Cage and (laughs) Angelina Jolie and Matt LeBlanc and Jennifer Connelly it really dropped off a cliff didn't it yeah Sinclair Smith she can get it right or she can, like, get it wrong, but in a fun way. But I feel like she got this one wrong, not even in a fun way. Maybe she's got, like, kids. Maybe she's got, like, you know, it's hard to be a writer when you've also got a full-time job. Maybe mm-hmm. she's doing that. Why am I being nice to people today? This is Maybe not my personality. Maybe she had a difficult time with the editor. Yeah. We don't know. We're not judging happening. you. Um, it's oh. hard to write a book. Kirsty, I've just had a real moment. Sorry, I've just flicked to the back of the book. And every book of the 12 printed on the back of the book, we've done. <laughs> Oh, well, you know we've done over 100 episodes. Yeah. You, know you keep saying, why must you keep saying? I know. If you add together these ones, the 13 more tales of horror and the Patreons, we've probably done 150. Oh, please donate to our wow. sanity, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. That was bad. Also it bad. Was bad was oh, the, the Phantom. Phantom. It was awful. Really I don't boring. even have anything to say about the Phantom. Oh, God, it was too much what about American football. Which was very boring, and then there was too much about like uh, hologram, oh, Reggie Westerman, terrible. and that was so disappointing because Barbara Steiner did the Mummy, which was great. She spunked all her wads on the she Mummy. Did. The Mummy was really fun. <laughs> oh yeah, we had Shelby and Jilly. Shelby Gunderson. Oh god, <laughs> what was well, someone called Gummo? Yeah, um, Gumby. Not Gummo. <laughs> Gummo, the worst Marx brother. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was just bad, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't even remember what the end was. I did have a theory. Oh, it was a friend, wasn't it? Mm. No, not Shelby. Jilly? Jilly, yeah. Um, I did have a theory that I think that Barbara Steiner is a melodramatic goth, (laughs) but she got a commission to write a book about (laughs) sports ball and was like, oh. Because there were all these very melodramatic goth moments of like, they're driving down the street and the trees loom like evil ghosts. (laughs) Well, there's like a bit where (coughs) there's like a curtain horrifying curtain <laughs> but yeah I just she think she was forced to write about sports ball when actually she wanted to write a goth melodrama and she didn't seem to understand much about American football at all which worked for me because I don't care about it I've learned nothing about American football <laughs> from that book it's very boring um, and yeah, nonsensical we, d- we didn't love that one but no speaking of goth melodrama actually is it goth melodrama next um oh oh ho ho so we loved 
at Gehenna's door. Written um, in like 18th century dialect for 19, 1990s teenagers. The temperature's dropped like five degrees since I'm we've really been out cold, here. I'm really cold, I'm freezing. <laughs> I can't wait to get in and have a coffee. Um, guys, guys, bring us a coffee, If please, you find us like please. just frozen in Kirsty's garden, please remember as well. I feel like we're going to be the end scene of The Shining. <laughs> Just us holding out our hands, being like, please bring us a coffee, please. <laughs> this book had everything. This book was like, um, if like something like Wuthering Heights had been rewritten <laughs> by a sci-fi writer, which is essentially it. <laughs> if I had attempted to write Wuthering Heights at 15, it wouldn't have been as good as this, but it would have attempted. But it would have had plot input from, uh, who's the guy who did Amelie? I don't know. The director. Jean-Pierre know. Okay. Have you ever seen a Delicatessen? No. Oh my god, you really need to watch Delicatessen. Okay. It's like Amelie, but about like a like a sort of weirdly post-apocalyptic but near-future Paris where they like all have to eat each other. Oh, that sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, it's very, your um, story in Extra Teeth Issue One. I was just thinking that. <laughs> just dropping my own magazine in there. Your amazing story for that. Uh, sort of has similar vibes, which I thought you must have read Delicatessen. No. Seen Delicatessen. How strange. You should watch it. Okay. You'll like it a Yeah, lot. I wrote, so Heather, one of her many skills and talents is that she edits a brilliant fiction magazine and I had a story in the first episode. Yeah, episode? The, the issue. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the first episode uh, that was about a woman who has a cannibal, cannibal fetish and so she hooks up with this butcher and anyway, it's got a happy romantic ending, surprisingly. And then a real life butcher ended up reading it. Yes! Remember? Crazy. Oh, I wonder what he thought about it. Oh, I'd love Was to Was it butcherly accurate? If now I you wonder. listen to the podcast, Butcher Man, <laughs> please do email in. Um, yeah, so it's like if that, if, if Jean-Pierre Junot had had like plot input on this book, which was a really sci-fi adaptation of Wuthering Heights. Yeah. I'm going to say that's it. And it had so much. It had weird meat cellar. It had uh, fat phobia, which we'll ignore. Um, it had creepy, like, Guy who I now imagine as like Niles Crane, but yeah. like emaciated. Evil Niles. <laughs> yeah, evil emaciated Niles. Um, and it had a couple trying to fuck, but they couldn't because there was a stinky fart smell <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> it, had, it had. Do you remember the guy, the sexy hiker, was like tied up with silks in the basement and he was writhing oh, to yeah. escape? <laughs> it just had everything you want. It also had these like ghost zombies. <laughs> like really really ancient people who were still alive and they ate voles oh my god yeah <laughs> it just had everything that you want it had the history book of their family yeah it had Lucian what more could you want and Franklin Honestly, I mean it was just brilliant I feel like if you're gonna read anything from this series at Gehenna's door I was just gonna say exactly the same thing yeah uh, don't make it uh, Tim Allen's The Nightwalker <laughs> <laughs> at Nightmore Hair <laughs> With Quinn Hadley. Only read this book if you want to reimagine it as a Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy sort of romance. Yeah. Which you'll have to do a lot of work to do that. I would like to read a rewritten, rewritten version of this where the girl sleepwalking actually is doing all the crimes, realises it, and her and her lesbian lover cover it up together. Yeah. That's what I want. Coming from Kirsty Logan in 2023. <laughs> I have Classic. actually. We're ready. We're waiting. We'll take the commission. <laughs> when I can, when I can write, actually to write the things that I want to write, and then get some off to keep. You know when you've got no time to write and you've got too many ideas. Yeah. That's where I am right now. Um, and one of my future projects is I want to write. I want to ghost write like queer, um, like Agatha Christie style, like 
which I probably can't do because I haven't got the brain. But basically, Knives Out. Oh yeah. That sort of level of camp ridiculousness. That's tricky to plot that kind of thing. I know. I, I can't would, do that. It, I, they're so intelligent. Agatha Christie is amazing. I know. And uh, friend of the podcast, I'm going to call her Jan Carson. I think we're probably overstating. We just love her. Yeah. <laughs> she, we wish she was a friend of the podcast. She has been reading. Um, a, uh, Agatha Christie book every week this year. Wow. And she's been writing an inspired short story in the front cover um, and then writing about it. So you should look that up. It's very That's good. In cool. fact, she sent me one of the books. Oh, I nice. Yay. Um, so we didn't really like that one. No, we didn't really to say about it, really. Although we did really like the image of, well, we kind of created this image that she had a yellow plastic raincoat and she put her hand in the pocket and it was full of glass. No, that was in there. It wasn't a yellow plastic It coat. was. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, well, that... To be fair to Diane Ho, it was in the book. And that is a good image. Yeah. I like that. But that was the only good thing about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and there was someone yeah. using a toffee hammer to annihilate a car <laughs> to the extent that people had to be cut out of it. It wasn't a toffee hammer. <laughs> you just made up that it was a toffee hammer. <laughs> um, so that was number nine. And then number ten was... Oh, no. <laughs> the Boyfriend I by thought I could Stein. forget about that book forever. With Dex, uh, the poor dead boy. And, and Shep. Hard. <laughs> Shep, who I'm now imagining as like... Um, an actual human equivalent of a dog. Yeah, Lassie. <laughs> but white. Really white. White Lassie, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Joanna, who was just the most evil woman who'd ever lived, um, who had like a $40,000 car and just hated everyone for not being really rich, hated her mother for being old and a bit more haggard, hated her mother for her believing that her mother was jealous of how beautiful she was. Um, and it had like the quite good conceit, which is that your boyfriend is dead and still trying to date you, but ruined it because it's robot's time. And it just became a fucking prank. Because no, why course. would you why would you actually reward the reader? Why wouldn't you just trick the reader? Looking at you, writers of BBC Sherlock. <laughs> it's not about trying to outsmart the reader mm. or the viewer. That's not what good writing is. But also like it wasn't just one prank, it was like seven pranks. Yeah. It and was no bad. one no one could see stage makeup or but he's like, I'm back out. from the dead. No, it's a prank. No, this time I'm really dead. No, it's a prank. No, no this stabbed. time I'm really back from the dead. It's no, a stage it's a knife. I'm bleeding. Oh no, it's stage blood. Like people wouldn't be able to see this. Yeah, it was just awful and I hated it. The writer who cried zombie. But we didn't actually give it that bad, we gave it a two and a three. That's only because Robot Stein has done so much worse. That's okay. literally the only reason that we didn't give it a zero. That was true. And also, you, you apparently can't give things a zero. I learned this from Mark Kermode's reviews. That you can't give things a zero in the paper because then they think you've forgotten to put a rating. You have to give it a one. So uh. apparently if you ever see a reviewer give something a one, they really mean zero. That's like good Goodreads. I don't think you can give it, you can't give it a zero. zero on Goodreads, yeah. Well, you can, you can decline to, um, when I really hate something, but I can't for professional reasons say that I hate it I often just don't I don't do that if I hate it if it's a book by someone that I know even slightly and I don't 100% adore it I just don't say anything yeah that's best yeah so how do we usually do the the rating so should we do good first okay so we're gonna do goodest first oh well I put them in the actual order that we've read them because uh, that's what we usually do. Oh, yeah, right. If you want to. I think we've done it differently over like every single thing. I think we just don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so between Halloween night and pool party. Pool party. Pool party is obviously the better one. Obviously. Okay. So I'll put that there. Um, Silent Witness and Silent Scream. Obviously Silent Scream is the yeah, better one. Yeah, of course. Okay, so this is the good pile. Uh, well, Face Taker and Double Date. I think Face Taker was the better one. Yeah, because okay. you can't really get worse than Double Date. <laughs> Uh, the Phantom or Agahenna's Door, obviously. Oh, Agahenna's Door. This is too easy. Come on. Um, 
Phantom and It's definitely a series of two halves. It really was. Nightwalker or the boyfriend? Nightwalker. I think Walker. the boyfriend was better. Really? Yeah. Oh, alright then. But it, it, mm. I don't like either of them. I think Nightwalk is better, because at least it's not misogynist. Well, is it? Mm. <laughs> Less so. But I think it was boring, where this was like a glorious mess. Right, um, okay, so this is our bottom pile. <laughs> um, so we've got... Halloween Night 2. Halloween Night 2. Oh my god, we've only got one R.L. Stein. And we've got... Oh my god, we've only actually got one of everyone. Oh. Oh, okay, so we've got... The Nightwalker, Nightmare Hair, The Nightwalker by Darren Ho. That's Hope. not the worst. Um, <laughs> we've got Halloween Night 2 by R.L. Stein. We've got uh, Silent Witness by Carol Ellis. We've got Phantom by Barbara Steiner. And we've got Double Date by Sinclair Smith. Okay, now that is some shit. The Phantom's got to be worst. You reckon? Oh, is Double Date worse? Either. They're both shit. But at least Double Date was kind of fun. Phantom was okay, boring. Let's put so Phantom's Phantom. at the bottom. Okay. Halloween Night 2, though. <laughs> it's going to have to be at the bottom Phantom. Okay. And then Halloween Night 2, and then Double Date. And then Silent Witness. Yeah. And then The Nightwalker. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Don't you think? Yeah. Okay, let's go with that. I'm happy with that. So <laughs> yeah. will I do the... No, Should we'll... we do them all first? Yeah, okay. Okay. So And then, ooh, so then what's next bottom? Um, I'll be the robot Stein. Okay, so of the five we've got, the, the top five, we've got Pool Party... Silent Scream, Face Taker, at Gehenna's door, and the boyfriend. Obviously, the boyfriend. The has boyfriend, to go to the and then uh, Face Taker. Face Taker. Yeah, and then I think Silent Scream. Yeah. Because Pool Party just has to. Pool Party is going up to the top on like just madness. I don't know if I can choose between Pool Party and at Gehenna's door. Oh, I'm choosing at Gehenna's door. <laughs> okay, I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> that, were, that was really fun. <laughs> okay, uh, shall I do the? We can do fucking countdown again. Do you want to do the? Okay, at number ten. I've already forgotten. We had the Phantom by Barbara Steiner. At nine, I think we had Silent Witness by Carol Ellis. At number eight, we've got Double Date by Sinclair Smith. Oh no, wait! I've missed out. Forgot Robot Stein. Where was he? Because we've left the book of him inside. Fucking no. Halloween Night Two was second bottom, I think. So it was Stein. Okay, okay we'll Stein. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At number ten, we've got The Phantom by Barbara Steiner. At number nine, we've got Halloween Night Two by Robert Stein. At number eight, we've got Silent Witness by Carol Ellis. At number seven, we've got Double Date by Sinclair Smith. At number six, Nightmare Hair: The Nightwalker by Diane Ho. Number five, <laughs> The Boyfriend by R.L. Stein. Number four. Face Taker by Philip Gross. Number three, Nightmare Hair, Silent Scream by Diane Ho. Number two, Pool Party by Linda Gargill. Number one, At Gehenna's Door by Peter Beery. <laughs> Yay! Okay. Um, are we going to do Good Baddest? Um, do we usually just do the top three for Good Baddest, I think? Let's just do a top three. So what do you think is... I love when you say do we usually when you mean I can't be bothered to do it. I can't remember. Well, do <laughs> we? I don't know. Let's just do good baddest then. Okay. Okay. I think... Hmm. Okay. What? Which ones have to be good bad then? Top three. Oh, I mean, Akihenna's Doors. Really good bad. <laughs> Pool Party was good really bad. Really good bad. Silent um, Scream wasn't really good bad, was it? No. Face Taker was quite good bad. Uh, yeah. Is that more good bad than Boyfriend? No. Boyfriend was bad. It wasn't, wasn't good bad. bad. Okay. So, Double Date? That was good, bad. Okay. Well, was it? 
I really should go back and listen to what we said in the episode. Yeah, I don't do that either. Uh, um, the Phantom wasn't really good, bad. No. And what else was there? Nightwalker was just boring. Uh, yeah. Silent Witness was just boring. I think the three options for the third place of good, bad have to be Face Taker, The Boyfriend, or Double Day. And I think Face Taker. Yeah, all right. It was a glorious mess again. Yeah. Okay. Wow, so it's not that far off the good goodest. Yeah. So, I reckon in that order. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> Number three for Good Bad, we have Face Taker by Philip Gross. Number two of Good Bad, we have The Pool Party by Linda Cargill. Number one of both Good and Good Bad, which is quite an achievement. That is not easy to do. <laughs> At Gehenna's Door by Peter Beer. <laughs> and it is a close call between that and Pool Party, I'm going to say. Yeah. I loved and found hilarious both of them if it didn't have such a goth overlay yeah at Gehenna's Door wouldn't be worth it's just the name as well everything about it is so good so which do you think were the top three pointiest because I don't think Gehenna's Door is pointy no it shouldn't be a point horrible and Pool Party isn't really pointy either unfortunately Stein is always the pointiest yeah because he's the proto pointy yeah he sort of set the tone that was pretty pointy that's pretty pointy Pool Party wasn't because Linda's not very pointy Face Taker, I think no. both of the Unleashed have to go out because yeah. they're not very pointy. The Nightmare Hairs aren't particularly pointy. I don't know. I think Silent Scream might be. I think Silent Scream's quite pointy. Okay, let's put it. But it's too good to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did think Silent the Phantom was quite pointy. Did you? Yeah. Mm. Just because it's about sports ball. I think it's either the Phantom or Double Date for pointy. Oh, Double Date was pretty pointy. pointy. Yeah, okay. Double Date. Okay, so what are we doing for top? Okay, so the three pointiest are Double Date. Silent Scream and The Boyfriend. I think The Boyfriend might have to go top. Yeah. Um, and then I think Double Date and then Silent Scream. Yeah. Are you going to do my... Three pointiest of season seven. Number three, Nightmare Hair, The Silent Scream by Diane Ho. Number two, Double Date by Sinclair Smith. Number one, The Boyfriend by R.L. Stein. Well, I quite enjoyed that season. Yeah. That had some good stuff in it. It was um, it was some welcome escapism. We had some high camp. We, <laughs> I we will say that high camp and high goth. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some like very British, which yeah. I enjoy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more of them next season. Yeah, you've got quite a lot of unleashed, haven't you? Yeah, but also uh, podcast pals do requests. Yeah, <gasps> uh, yes. Abe Books has got all kinds of shit on it so these were quite a lot of requests weren't they yeah people for sure. requested the boyfriend people requested pool party the 60 dollar book that everyone wants <laughs> um yeah yeah actually when the, when it's a uh, listener requests they're always, always better, better than the, one that, the ones that we choose ourselves because uh, you guys are smarter than us so <laughs> um so yeah we can, obviously we can like buy them as well so don't worry about that um and we usually get them for like two quid yeah which is good <laughs> <laughs> Our outgoings are quite And don't worry, well. we only ever get them secondhand. Robot Stein does not get a penny from us. We I don't, don't think, steal them, we do buy them, but we buy them secondhand. I don't think you can even buy them. Mm, like, he's properly. got some in print. I think the Goosebumps are in print. Um, God. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think that was really fun, and it was really all over the place. And yeah. I enjoyed that. I don't yeah. like it. I love it when it's like both good and bad. I don't like it when it's kind of like middle and average. Yeah, because the ones that are, you're just like, that was just an all right book. That's yeah. no fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not what you come to this podcast for. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, so we don't I kind of want to read at Gehenna's Door immediately again. You can borrow it, mate. Go <laughs> oh, for got, it. I've got like 200 books I need to read in my house. Yeah, but come on. You can read it in the course of like one bath. <laughs> and wait, hey, 
Isn't it um, Hogmanay today? Yeah. I've lost all sense of time. <laughs> so. I hope everyone is having a good, safe time. Yeah, I hope this season has been some welcome escapism for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that 2021 will be a very different year. Hope so. I hope that if you need some screaming uh, goth melodrama, you will be able to read At Gehenna's Door. Mm-hmm. We should post At Gehenna's Door to every one of the readers as yeah. some sort of like drive for a better mental health in this year. Um, yeah, it's like also... A catharsis. I think we should also just say like, well done to everybody for getting through what has been a really difficult year. Um, you know, it's really hard to say what the next few months will be like, but like, you're not on your own. You've always got people. We're a lot more connected like digitally than we used to be. Um, World's changed in some ways for the better in that things are a lot more accessible to people now who wouldn't have been able to go to things in the future. Yeah, what a weird, what's your year round? Thanks for listening because it's given us an excuse to, yeah, we're cold, but (laughs) (laughs) it's given me and Heather an excuse to read silly books and make jokes about them and that has been really good for my mental health. Yeah. And if we can have helped anyone else with it, then that's brilliant. Yeah. And I just think like we should all be celebrating our own resilience. Yes. This year. And probably our own ability to like help other people around us as well because I think this year everyone really reached out and also told people when they needed help, which is really positive. Um and read a lot of shit. Which yeah. is also positive. Yeah. <laughs> In a way all you need to do all we need to do is just get through it yes that's our main task at the moment exactly i read a really good thing about like you don't have to say that everything is always going to be okay at all times you just have to say that you can cope yes which you can always more than you think and it's always it will always take you by surprise how much you can cope with yeah things that you think that you couldn't you can then that's proved that's been proven to all of us this year yes um but we will be back we will in a couple Some of times. Not sure yet. Early spring. See how cold it is. Yeah. We'll <laughs> if we still can't go in, a, in in each other's houses, we might have to wait until it's a little bit warmer. Yeah. Because I actually can't feel quite a large proportion of my body right now. And we are already going to have to sit at least for one hour in your garden in January yeah. for the Patreon episode. Oh, yeah, oh no. no. Um, but yeah, do reach out and tell us like what you need from us, whether you want us to do certain books on the Patreon, whether what you want us to read next time. Or if you want us to branch out, do you want us to do films, TV shows? Point crime. Point crime. Anything else? Point Let romance. I bet yeah. point romance is a world of pain. CBC's done quite a few. Ooh. Yeah, right. Ooh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so where can people let us know what they want to well, you can find us on Twitter at Teenage Scream underscore or on Instagram at Teenage Scream Pod. And if you do want to support the podcast and you have the means to, you can go to patreon.com slash Teenage Scream Podcast and become a meatloaf there. But also, you don't have to do that. You can support the podcast just by listening, by rating, reviewing, telling people about it. People always tag us in mm-hmm. recommendations on, on Twitter, I which that. I love. Um, and yeah, we're just really grateful that you still want to listen to our rambling nonsense. Yeah. Uh, after all that's gone on. <laughs> despite everything motioning at world (laughs) and we will see you next year in hopefully a more hopeful world and have a bloody good hug bye